Today's Gun Talk Hunt is brought to you by ATN, the future of optics, and by Timney Triggers, the world's finest triggers. Every month, Timney highlights one of their favorite triggers and gives it away. That's nice of them. This month, it's the 783 trigger, 783. Um, every component of the 783 is engineered to elevate your accuracy, including the new sear engagement adjustment lock uh, design that is adjustable to, for pull weight and over travel and currently offered in a right-hand curve trigger shoe model. Enter now at TimneyTriggers.com. Also, Gun Talk Hunt is brought to you by Springfield Armory. Springfield's 4.5-inch XDM 10mm threaded optic sight pistol, OSB, is great for hunting or as your hunting sidearm. I actually really like this gun. It's one of my favorite 10mm. Um, with two 15-round magazines, that's the reason I like it a lot, a rear deck cut, a rear deck cut? Who wrote this? Is that correct? Maybe that's what it's called. Uh, for a micro dot sight, uh, red dot sight, threaded match grade well, yeah, barrel. Yeah, it's like a deck that the site sits on, right? I mean, it could be. It sounds like marketing speak to me. That's what I think. It is. That's 100% marketing. What are we going to call this? It's a rear deck cut. We'll get a guy with yeah. a voice like this. What's, what's different than everybody else? Yeah. Well, no one said deck yet. <laughs> Can we say deck again? Can we trademark that? <laughs> um, the XDM OSP in 10 millimeter is ready for the field. I'm sorry, Springfield Armory. I really do like this gun. Uh, find out more at Springfield-Armory.com. Yeah. So, Go there check it out. It really is good, and I know that I know that's what Tom uses. I mean, when he's out in the wilds of Idaho, that's what he's got on him. It is an XDM ten millimeter. If you're going to carry a semi-auto, it might as well be a ten, and if it's going to be a ten, it and might it as well be hold big. A lot. Big gun. Yeah. yeah. So today on Gun Talk Brain Hunt, um, we have one of our friends from the industry, Emily from AOB. Um, Emily is um, really what holds the whole the whole glue together. At American Outdoor Brands, um, oh, stop it. without her, the whole entire building would crumble it and crumbles. fall. It would just be, you know, pointless. No one would even I, show up to I work. I cannot confirm nor deny that statement for legal reasons. She's but... like, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but <laughs> and yeah. she she is a like a super master shotgunner too. She she went to the prestigious Linwood. Lindenwood. Lindenwood. Yeah. Lindenwood. Lindenwood University. Yeah, in St. Charles, Missouri. National champion. So, four yeah, four-time yeah. four national champion uh, shotgun team over there. Um, so you can actually compete in shooting in college. People don't realize this. Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in a shooting family. We've always done all sorts of different uh, shooting sports. We actually started with cowboy action shooting. Um, but my parents really wanted me to be involved with something I could do in college and maybe even for a scholarship. So we looked into uh, NCAA rifle shooting, and we also looked into clay target shooting. And I like fell in love with clay target sports, and I decided that that's what I wanted to pursue uh, for college. And I got recruited my senior year in high school. I got recruited to Lindenwood University's team, which at the time was the top shotgun program in the country um, for collegiate clay target sports. And yeah, I went there for four years, and I got to compete. I got to travel. Uh, we got to win four national championships, and awesome. it was just—it was a great experience for sure. First, That's awesome. first we have to hear your cowboy action shooter name. <laughs> yes, well, uh, my cowboy name uh, for all of my cowboy action shooters listening is Snazzy McGee. 
because I'm snazzy. So I, it just kind of, it was something I came up with when I was 10, uh, inspired by I love it. the School of Rock. Um, has anyone seen that movie? So I kind of just rolled with it and it, it stuck. I mean, it's one of those things. Once you choose your name, you can't really go back. Isn't that funny? I like it. You just happen to choose it when you're 10 and then, you know, you, yeah, it it just sticks with you. That's like choosing your email when you were like, when when you're early, early, yeah, early on. I I went to nationals for cowboy shooting when I was 16 and I won my title uh, for my division for that. And then it was like, well, now I can never go back because if I change my name, then no one knows who I am. Right. Exactly. So when you're on these cowboy action shoots, do they all call you by your name? Yes, sir. They call me. Usually everybody calls me Snaz. So everybody's like, oh, hey, Snaz. Hey, Snazzy. And I mean, you'll go years without knowing a person's real name. In yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you'll at least Snaz is a lot better than Big Nose Kate. We were, uh, yeah. I was I was last <laughs> weekend in a, in a, a saloon in Arizona, and they said Big Nose Kate had been here back in the uh, the Western days. I don't know who she is. I probably should. But well, it sounds like she's legendary. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not too bad after all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what the name is as long as you end up being famous with it. Um, so yeah, obviously, we, yeah. because this is a, a hunting podcast, we thought we would talk about uh, wing shooting. I mean, dove season just opened up. KJ went to Oklahoma and missed a bunch of doves this week, I think. And whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I was shooting good. Oh, yeah. Opening day. Like for me. I was shooting good. It would. It had to have been a, maybe a less than a two shell per bird day. Which there you go. For me, it's pretty okay. good. <laughs> for you, yeah. The bar for KJ is set at a different. Yeah, point. yeah. It's, it's not good when you've got bar. like you know like three birds and you you've gone through three boxes of shells. You're like, what yeah. happened? No, I, I I limited out in the morning by about eight fifteen. So yeah. it was a quick hunt, and I had I had doubled up what the other guys had shot. So I was feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> so That's yeah, yes. it's one of the more, I think one of the more difficult things is I think people, as far as getting new people into hunting, I think bird hunting is a good place because it's very social. And I think there may be more people open to shooting a dove or a duck or whatever than a deer. There's like an emotional thing there for some people, but Actually, hitting a flying object is not the easiest thing in the world to do. No, no, not at all. It's I think I think it's a problem, especially if you're taking people that have only ever shot like dad's rifle in the backyard or something at a paper target. And you're trying to teach them how to shoot this tiny little flying thing in Mm -hmm. the sky. It can be a little different. (laughs) Yes, I, I do have something funny to share with you. So I took my son out. He's 11 years old. He's never been dove hunting. He's it's that way for him. It's, you know, going up, setting up on a target, shooting it. And I took my 20 gauge out with him and I was like, you ready for this? He goes, yeah. And he goes, do we shoot them when they land or when they, uh, when they're flying? And I was like, well, you shoot them when they're flying. Like, let's give them a sporting chance. And he goes, okay. So we get out there ready for the dove hunt, you know, and the sun's starting to come up and we can, we can hear them get lighting off the roost. And I go, okay, buddy, are you ready? He goes, I think I'm going to watch you do it for a little bit. <laughs> and he, and a lot of my early misses, I mean, I call, I had to catch up, but he was like, I, do you hit any? <laughs> like, 
Are you supposed to hit them? And then, and then I like the first one that went down, man, like it was like he shot it himself. I mean, he ran and he picked that bird up. He was so happy and so proud. I was like, finally, man, that was pressure. <laughs> and I think that's like another reason people enjoy clay target sports is that it's similar to bird hunting. So they can like almost practice in a way, like getting into that helps you out when you're shooting in the field, because really, you know, shotgun shooting, it's all about instinct. It's all about knowing like, you know, feeling just, you can't really explain how you're doing it with like a rifle. You can explain very easily, like, okay, this is where you need to hold. This is how far away it is. With shotgun, yeah. I think that's what sometimes scares people is it's not as precise of a sport and it just comes with a lot of time in the field. It's Zen. It's just Zen. You got to use the Zen. But, sure. but there's, there is something to that because, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time to practice before I went out. And man, when those duff are coming in, they're coming in fast. You know, they're not, they're not a slow moving bird. Oh yeah. Um, and I think if you don't prepare early enough in the season, it's a little jarring to get out there. Um, ask, <laughs> I mean, just ask one of our editors, uh, Jace. I mean, he, he goes out there for the first time and he's like, I, I don't even see them and they're already past me, you know? I mean, so they're, they're quick. Well, there's some of that too, is kind of tuning your eye up to see the game. If you're not out there that all the time to really like, what am I looking for here? And then once yeah. you see it a few times and you get used to seeing it and spotting them. I mean, Emily, do you have some experience teaching new shooters? And as far as how would you describe to them trying to hit a bird or hit a clay? Yeah, um, I do have experience instructing uh, for all types of firearms, but definitely shotgun um, is one of the big ones that I've had a lot of experience with. And I think uh, one of the big problems first-time shooters have when they're shooting clay targets or birds is not moving that, not continuing to move that gun. So you're so used to shooting a stationary target that you're not used to that motion of moving the gun as you're pulling the trigger. Um, and a lot of times what I'll have people do, like, if we're on the skeet field or the trap field, um, I'll have them not load their gun, just close it and have them just follow that bird and practice pulling that trigger. And I think just get that motion itself, I think is a really big piece of the puzzle as far as shooting moving targets, whether it's a clay or a bird, you're just trying to get that motion down of pulling the trigger as you're swinging to the right, to the left, up, down, yeah. any that bird's going to go. Um, that's probably the most difficult thing for people to get over. Every new shooter I see, they pull that trigger and they stop, but that yes. bird is still moving. So uh, that's just, it's one of those things that it's muscle memory and it's telling yourself, all right, that bird's moving. So my arms and my eyes have to keep moving. Well, it's a great point too. Cause if you ever have, if you shoot a lot of clays, you realize that the, the shot's not going that fast um, when you shoot and then the clay breaks and there's a, there's a half second kind of split between them. You go, wow. You know, you can really see what's happening versus shooting a hole in paper and you don't really realize. And of course, a, a, a rifle's typically going a lot faster. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very reactive sport. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do that instead of rifle is I was so used to cowboy action shooting where you're getting that immediate feedback of the steel ringing. And I couldn't imagine myself shooting at a piece of paper and like looking and waiting to see where I hit. Mm. I was like, clay target, I either hit it or I don't. It breaks or it doesn't break. You know, I instantly know, all right, 
I'm doing well, or this is not my day. Yeah. So. Now you also worked at a big uh, shooting sports complex that was actually on a college campus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us so, about that. Yeah. I, um, so I went to undergrad at Lindenwood university and I was looking to get a graduate degree because I had an undergrad degree in English and art history. And I was like, well, I got to go to grad school now, but I wanted to stay in the industry. I wanted to keep shooting. Um, so actually it kind of fell in my lap. A former teammate of mine shared the job posting with me at Georgia Southern university. They have the Georgia Southern shooting sports education center, and it is a full two indoor firearms ranges, eight lanes each. And then there's a full archery range, um, full archery center that can hold hundreds of people, tons of shooters. Um, and it's a beautiful facility. And they were looking for a graduate assistant. Uh, so they would pay for my school. And I would be able to go down there and work at this facility. So what I got to do, they have classes there for college students, but also for kids, for the community. It's a public, it's one of the only public shooting ranges on a college campus in the United States. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love this. Yeah, it's yes. funded completely by the university and by Georgia DNR, Department of Natural Resources. So it's so unique in that aspect. There's a lot of colleges that have ranges that are private, funded mm -hmm. privately. Um, but this is the only range that's like fully funded. It's part of campus recreation. You can take archery as your gym class for your gym credit. <laughs> How um, cool is that? Yeah, so I got to teach archery classes um, for all ages. I got to teach uh, basic pistol classes, concealed carry classes. We had uh, all women's firearms classes, which was a really great experience. And we worked really close with Daniel Defense, who was right down the road. Mm -hmm. um, we worked with them. We had a lot of their rifles that we used in cleaning classes, in different uh, competition style classes we had. We did kind of like a bowling pin league, but it was a really awesome experience to be able to teach people how to shoot and you're getting your school paid for it. I mean, what, what do you think the, I mean, what do you think the number one, like someone going into that, do they already have some background in it or do you see a lot of new shooters and what was typically their reaction when you'd work with them? Definitely new shooters. I saw, especially I was teaching a lot of basic firearms classes. Um, so I was seeing new shooters come in every day, uh, especially in my women's firearms class. I had a lot of women come in, especially being in Southern Georgia, firearms are so popular there, you know, open carry, you can right. just so easy and very accepted there to have a firearm to conceal carry. So especially women, I had a lot of them come in and say, Hey, um, you know, my husband has guns, my dad had guns, but I never learned. I was never taught and I want to learn. Um, or I'd have kids come in and, you know, their parents have yeah, guns, yeah. but they want their kids to learn from, you know, I mean, a university, what better way to teach your kids how to shoot than sending them to like a fully state funded university yeah. and facility. It was, And we had all those resources. So it was really great for people who maybe wanted to shoot but didn't have a friend with guns or didn't know how to uh, like go to a class that wasn't readily available. Everything was so easy. We gave you the firearm, we gave you the ammunition, we gave you the target, and you got to use it during the class just as like a rental. It was perfect. Now, Emily, yeah. you mentioned women coming in saying yeah. my, my dad or, or whoever hunted or, or shot guns, but they never taught me. How, how common do you think that is? When it's like, well, I have a brother. My dad took my brother hunting, but he never yeah. took me hunting. 
It's, it's sadly, it's so common, but I think one of my favorite personal stories is when my parents always conceal carried, my mom has always had a concealed carry pistol. My dad has always had a concealed carry pistol and, you know, they always shot on the range, but they never competed. And when I was 10, my dad heard about cowboy action shooting and he asked my mom, he said, Amy, like, let's go do this together. And she was very happy. She was like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. That can be your guy thing. Mm-hmm. And my dad did not take that for an answer. My dad is one of the few. <laughs> I always tell him, I'm like, how, how feminist of you, dad? Like, he would not take no for an answer. He told my mom, he said, listen, like, I want this to be our thing. And I'm so glad he did because that being my mom shoot, you know, she, now they are in every single skeet trap league. They host the Cowboy Action State Championships. They are so into it. But I can only imagine different my life would have been if my dad was not interested in having my mom or me involved in the sport and had just had my mom involved. And I think there's a lot of people out there that experience the same thing. Every class I taught, I would have the women start out with saying, okay, why are you here today? And what is your experience with firearms? And so many of them said, well, my dad was a cop and he had guns, but he never let me touch them. Oh, my dad hunts. He has guns, but he never let me touch them. And it's, but it's also another step of a lot of women don't want to learn from their dads or their husbands or their brothers want to learn from another woman or from an outside source, because sometimes it it can be a little difficult learning. Yes, that's what, that's what we preach. That's number one. That's like, I, I I don't, I won't, I will not teach my wife how to shoot. Like that's not. Or do anything. (laughs) Yeah. just, yeah. I want to stay married. You know, don't yeah. teach them to play golf or tennis or shoot or anything I like enjoy, that. I enjoy sleeping with both eyes closed. <laughs> That's right. I, I think it, it's really important to, especially, you know, if you're a woman and you're, you don't have experience with guns, but your husband has guns or you don't have experience with guns and whoever you're living with has guns. You know, it's, it's something important. I think education, learning at this facility, education is so important when it comes to firearms. And even if you... I had a lot of people come into my class that didn't even plan on owning a firearm, but they just wanted to know how to safely use one. I like that. Yeah. I think it was, you know, I had a girl that was scared to death of guns and she came in that class and she shot every single gun that we had out there. She shot it one time and she looked at me and she said, you know what? I came here and I did what I wanted to do today. And that, that in itself was powerful to me. I think, you know, so many people think it has to be all or nothing. And I think education on firearms should definitely be at your pace, whatever level you want to be at. You know, if you just want to go shoot at the range once a week or once a month or once a year and just, you know, practice with your concealed carry firearm or the firearm you keep in your bedside table, that's so important. You know, just having that repeated education because the people that claim to know the most were always my people on the range that were the most unsafe. Well, you take it for granted, right? I, yes. I grew up I grew up doing this. Well, you may have grown up doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I've always, being in the fire, I've shot since I was 10. I'm now 25. And I look at myself as I'm in this industry, but I'm never done learning. Yeah. I'm never yeah. done experiencing new firearms, experiencing new things. You know, I think... Sometimes in this industry, especially being a woman, they, they can assume you know nothing. And I, I mean, I know a lot of things, but I never claim to know everything. I right. always 
see myself as always learning. I'm always asking questions. I'm always trying to educate myself on different types of shooting, different firearms. And I know like that can be intimidating for a lot of new shooters, especially women, because you're kind of expected to know everything just coming right out of the gate. Right. And that's right. So you taught some hunters education classes as well. Um, and I remember when, when they started doing hunters ed classes, it was like this big deal. And now it's just commonplace. Um, I mean, did you have some experiences that, because it's not always just young kids, right? No. You have adults going in there to take it. Oh, for sure. We, well, at Georgia Southern, we offered like a basic hunters safety course. Um, and yeah, people of all ages would come take that. Even some of my employees would take it that maybe had not gotten their hunters ed certification. Um, I actually was lucky enough. I was a camp counselor in Vermont um, at this uh, camp that was sanctioned by the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And basically, if you attended this camp, you got to take every single hunter education class, whether it was bow hunting, rifle hunting. You got to take all these different classes. And at the end of the week, you got your certification. And that was that's cool. Awesome. Awesome program. And um, I'd love to see it more in you know, more states. And luckily, Georgia, the Department of Natural, uh, the Department of Natural Resources was so proactive in teaching young adults. We had um, bow fishing classes. We had bow hunting classes and we had basic hunter safety. And I a, think that's, that's great. Another, what a great thing. Yeah, I think that's another thing. Hunter safety is something people assume you take when you're a kid. But some people grow up and they want to start hunting, but they've yeah. never had, they've never been able to take that class because they just never work. So, so what's the, what's the toughest thing being on the teaching side? What's the toughest thing to teach? I think one of the toughest things to teach is just making that decision to shoot or not, especially with like whitetail hunting, for example, um, what we would do is, so as a counselor, I would take the students out and we would do these um, real life situations where we would set up, um, you know, some different deer, bear, whatever type of animals, you know, fake animals out in the woods. And we would kind of set up these scenarios and we would say, would you shoot this animal or would you not and why? And I think that that is probably the most difficult thing to teach because there's so many factors you're thinking about, is this animal in season? Does that turkey have a beard or not? Can I tell how long it is? You know, what, how, what's the size, how many, you know, it's just, there's so many different factors. Yeah. And I think that's the most difficult thing to teach. But whenever we had a student say, I would not shoot that animal. And if they could explain it, even if it was an animal that they were, that they were allowed to shoot, if they could explain why they wouldn't take that shot, we would still pass them Yeah. because it's always better to err on that side of safety as opposed to, right. You know, I'm questioning it, but I'll take the shot. I think instinct, yeah, that instinct, that snap decision, that's something that's difficult to teach people. I think you would have been annoyed with me in class to have uh, me as I a probably, student. I probably would have. I would shoot have been it. asking, shoot it. What, 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 what county am I hunting? You're hunting yeah. in Oklahoma. What county? <laughs> how, how many deer were processed out of that county last year? Like, <laughs> I mean, you would have been annoying for a lot of reasons. Yeah. yeah, not just that. Not no, just uh, that. come on. But that's a great point, Emily. Is people will ask, and I feel like it's more this year, even of man, I'm thinking about getting into hunting. Where do I start? And I don't think I've given this answer yet. Is like, well, start by going and taking a hunting class, yeah. hunters, hunter education, hunter safety, yeah. whatever it is in your state. 
Um, that's yeah, a great a place of, to start. Because a lot of times we start, we, a lot of times we tell people, you know, find a mentor, find someone, a mentor, but yeah, I mean, I, some people, especially if they're not in the industry or they don't know someone in the industry or they don't know someone that hunts, you know, think about it. You don't know somebody with land. You don't know someone with proper firearms. You're having to kind of figure all this out on your own. And there's so many different rules and regulations for each state. And luckily, a lot of states have a lot of great online resources um, to use as far yeah. as Department of Natural Resources. But sometimes, you know, just taking a class is one of the best things you can do. I mean, just for example, just it's a little applicable, but in Georgia, you did not need to take a concealed carry class to get your concealed carry permit. But we still had so many people come in and take our concealed carry class because they just wanted that education. They said, if I'm going to concealed carry, I just, I want to know the rules and regulations. Right. And I want to know these different steps of having a concealed carry firearm. And I think it's the same with hunting. Maybe you don't need that hunting education class legally or technically, but I think it's education is so important. Why not educate yourself? You can never learn right. too much. Um, so I think that's definitely something people should be looking into. And also along those lines, maybe another resource, if you're thinking about getting into hunting and you're an adult and you didn't grow up in it, another place you could start perhaps would be joining like a local conservation group, like a Ducks Unlimited or a a quality deer management uh, group where you could, you could, I mean, what do you think about that? I think that's, I think that's perfect. I mean, I've, I've found, especially just in the shooting world, cowboy action shooting, clay target shooting, any of those people are honestly, for the most part, pretty welcoming and want people to be involved in the sport. I mean, you look at what the NSSF has done with their plus one movement. It's, you know, yeah. something like, I think we all as shooters and as firearms owners, we want to encourage new people to join and to learn safely and to learn how to do all these different things from hunting to clay target shooting. And who's going to do that if not us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's the intimidation factor because there's a lot to, there's a lot to weed, weed through. You're talking about regulations. You're talking about, you know, certain groups. The one place that I would tell people not to go to are the interwebs and social platforms. Yeah. Uh, it seems like we kind of online, we kind of, there's some bad, you know, apples in the bunch, um, unfortunately. Oh and they, we, we are some of the first people that cannibalize our own. Especially uh, on the hunting side, I feel like. Oh, the hunting side is awful, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate to see, but, but that's not where I'd start. Um, I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, join a, you know, your, your shotgun classes and your, your trap leagues and stuff like that. That'd be a great place to start. Cause you're going to meet people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can, I mean, you can, there's a lot of online resources, not on Facebook and all that, but you can look at local ranges and what classes they're offering. You can look at the NRA's website and look at different classes they might have in your area. Um, just the other day I was, re-upping my certifications for all of my coaching certifications I have with NRA. And I just looked randomly at the classes they offer in the area. And there are so many different classes all over Missouri that you can take, you know, basic pistol classes, basic rifle classes. And I think, you know, just look at your resources, look at different, especially indoor ranges. I've found yeah. indoor ranges have a lot of classes. We just, I know we've 
kind of thought about it before I left, but in Georgia, we had talked about having a class where people come in to sight in their rifles for hunting season, because a lot of people might not have ever had to sight their rifle in. They have a new rifle. Right. Your dad always did it for them. They've never had to do it. So we looked at offering that. And I think that that is also a great resource uh, to have available, you know, for any indoor ranges that are looking for new curriculum. I think yeah. that's a good idea coming up into hunting season right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So before we wrap up, Emily, you're you're an accomplished shotgun shooter. One piece of advice for our listeners to hit more birds this hunting season with their shotgun, not like swinging it. <laughs> just bat them off. How do you the, the how do you hit line? more birds? I have to just choose one piece of advice. I would say start from the base and just have a shotgun that fits you properly. I think shotgun fit can completely make or break you. It, it can be a really difficult thing to shoot a shotgun that doesn't fit you. Take it yeah. from me who has little tiny T-Rex arms and mm. has had to get a custom stock for every shotgun she's ever had. Um, it can be so difficult, especially, you know, for, for women men just trying to shoot a factory shotgun yeah the one size fits all it never does yeah get a shotgun that fits you properly and even if you're not looking into a custom stock that's too much money you know and that's another thing shotgun shooting hunting can be expensive um i have a gray coil on my shotgun and it's just an insert on the end of the stock i didn't have to order a custom stock i got this insert i installed it and it just adjusted to fit me perfectly so i think a your shotgun to fit you can totally help you hit yeah. this season. So, so how do you know if your shotgun doesn't fit you? Well, if you go ahead and mount the gun, maybe close your eyes. Tell me if I'm doing this right, Emily. Mount the gun, <laughs> close your eyes, Please and open me. them. And then if you're not looking right down the barrel of the gun, you're prob- the, probably the shotgun doesn't fit you. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can see that angle. You can see the different angle of the barrel kind of so if it's if you're looking down that barrel and it's like a little off that might mean your pitch is off and you kind of have to adjust that butt stock to kind of fit your shoulder better yeah uh, or a lot of shotguns come with an adjustable comb on the top of that stock and you can adjust that closer into your cheek to kind of straighten your head up a little bit um, there's a lot of different ways you can adjust your shotgun to fit you better um, it helps to have a friend kind of helping you out, you know, like kind of see the way you mount it and right. see how it holds. But a lot of it's just going off of feel. Um, does it feel right when you shoot it? Does it feel right when you're holding it? Um, I I did international skeet. That was my main game when I was in college. And a lot of that is mounting the gun. That's half the game. Right. And I did a lot of just mounting at home. And yeah think about it with duck hunting with dove hunting that kind of thing you know you're hanging out in the blind and a bird comes along you got to mount that thing fast you know you don't have time to like in trap or american skeet you don't have time to mount really slowly and kind of hold it there right you got to throw that thing up and shoot so it makes it all the more important to have a really good fit absolutely so a fitted advice make sure the shotgun fits you and there are things that you can do that are aftermarket that don't have to i mean you can pay $500 $500 to get a stock bent and, and to your measurements and all that stuff. But there are things you can do just, heck, people will bring moleskin with them and just raise up the comb on a, on a regular yeah. shotgun if, if they need to. So do what you got to, but the shotgun so, has what, to fit What choke you. are you using? 
I see in per cylinder. As, as wide have, as I can hit the birds with. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so okay. I have, well, so I have, you know, an over under. So I have the improved cylinder in the lower barrel and I have the modified in the top barrel. So on the fly, you know, if I see a bird that's farther away that I'm trying to hit, maybe I'll switch to modified, you know, because I right. just have a button that I can switch. I think that's another thing. I know a lot of people like to just shoot with semi-autos, but I, I take my over under out there because I can just quickly switch that choke. And at the end of the day, the choke makes, you know, a little bit of difference. Little. You're on, you're on. Yeah. But I'll take all the help I can get. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, it's, it's a good alibi, but sometimes people worry about the choke too much. Exactly. That's right. I've been to a lot of competitions where people are changing their chokes out every station on a sporting place course. And I was just, I was never that girl. I had an improved cylinder and a modified and I ran through the course and I shot ice skate with that everywhere I went. And there's, there's some legendary stories about, you know, world champion trap shooters and stuff like that, where they go, what choke are you shooting is, I don't know. I, yep. Yeah. I, I, I never changed whatever it. was in the gun when I got it. You'll find that those are the best shooters on my team. Some of the best shooters that I ever got to the pleasure of shooting with were sporting clay shooters because they had the best instincts. They could be on a skeet field, a trap field, any type of, play target they would hit it because they had those great instincts of shooting all different types of birds and they didn't care about chokes a lot of times they didn't even know what was in there exactly they'd be like oh, i think i have a full in there whatever like it works so, <laughs> right. when i hit them they bust yeah when i hit them they bust and that's all that matters is as long as that clay target breaks i mean a break's a break a yeah. chip's a chip as we say yeah clay target breaks, so <laughs> Well, good deal. Emily, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Hopefully this encourages some of you guys listening. If you haven't gotten into it, you can do it. Go take a class. Get out there. Hunting season has already started in most places. So we'll see you next time on Gun Talk Hunt.